0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, December 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Doctors in the U.S. could administer the country's first authorized coronavirus vaccines today. It turns out EY's warnings about Wirecard came as early as 2018, and bank investors in the Eurozone could see dividend payments restart soon. But first, Brexit talks gain new life on Sunday will explain how the news developments could shake out over the next three weeks. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Brexit talks were looking pretty grim last week. There was relatively little movement on the main issues of access to UK fishing waters and a level playing field, which meant there was a ton of pressure going into this past weekend to make strides. Coming into today... Things aren't looking much better than they were, but they have improved. So much so that sterling was up around 1% in late Sunday trading. Here to talk about what prompted this burst of optimism is the FT's Brexit editor, David Bond. David, let's look back to this past weekend. What kind of progress did we see?
1: Well, it seems we did make some progress because if you remember going back to that dinner that Boris Johnson had with Ursula von der Leyen on Wednesday, the deadline was set for Sunday for yesterday yesterday to have some kind of conclusion on these talks, whether it was worth continuing or not. The British side said, you know, this would be the moment where they would decide whether there was something worth talking about. And it does seem that sufficient progress has been made. And, you know, the negotiators on both sides have been working Round the clock. They worked very late on Saturday night, understand the British side were being sustained with bacon sandwiches. Um, I think the EU side went out to a brasserie to have a break and then they continued on talking right until the early hours. So perhaps now we're just starting to see the potential for a bit of progress there.
0: So David, Sunday came, there was an extension to the talks. What should we be looking for in future talks?
1: Well, I guess any signs of real progress. I mean, we don't really have any detail following the announcement on Sunday that both sides were prepared to go the extra mile. We know that they are still apart because Boris Johnson said so in his statement. He said there were still significant gaps to try and bridge. But you have to look at the outcome. You know, Sunday was supposed to be a hard deadline and both sides are continuing to talk. So, you know, the optimist in me sort of sees... The potential for progress in the next few days, but we don't know when now the new deadline is. They Both sides have clearly decided not to put a deadline on it. And that suggests that they have now found perhaps a breakthrough in the, in the key sticking points. And really, I think what's happened is they've narrowed those sticking points to one particular issue. So that is around this whole question of fair competition after the UK leaves the European Union single market. So I think What we're now seeing is perhaps a bit of compromise on both sides around the mechanism for establishing that kind of fair competition, that level playing field. And one of the suggestions is that there will be an independent process for arbitration. So it wouldn't lead to a situation where, let's say, for example, the EU improved its standards on, I don't know, environmental regulations, for example, and the UK didn't follow suit. I think what really troubled Boris Johnson and his ministers was the idea that immediately the EU would be able to retaliate with some kind of lightning tariffs in the future. And that really, really was a point at which Johnson just said, look, we can't do a deal on those terms. So I think what maybe we're starting to see the signs of is some kind of compromise around that mechanism.
0: So, David, I want to go back to a word you used a little earlier, and that's deadline. Um, It seems like the deadline to, to finalize a deal keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. And meanwhile, there's there still many layers that this needs to go through, even after the UK and the EU come to an agreement. So I guess my question is, you know, what is the actual deadline here?
1: <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, as we know, deadlines in EU trade negotiations are incredibly elastic. The deadline on Sunday... You know, there's always a bit of doubt as to whether it was a real deadline or not. If you looked at what Ursula von der Leyen said following the dinner with Boris Johnson, she didn't actually say, "You know Sunday would be the moment at which we will definitely decide whether we will continue negotiations or not. It felt like the deadline was slightly harder on the UK side. I mean, who knows what the deadline is now? I mean, ultimately, there can only be one deadline, and that is december the thirty first. But realistically, you know the deal has to be ratified by the European Parliament. Already deadlines are being missed for that, although the European Parliament has said that it could sit on the 28th of December and ratify a deal if that was necessary. It also has to be scrutinised by the British Parliament. And Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is the leader of the House of Commons, has you know, already got sort of a procedure in place, a plan in place that would allow some kind of parliamentary debate and perhaps a vote on the deal, depending on what the substance of the deal is, right up until Christmas, perhaps even sitting on Christmas Day, although that has been played down. But I think, you know, there is time, I think if there is the outline of a deal here, then they can probably come up with some kind of way of getting the ratification or getting the scrutiny needed on the UK side. Uh, In time, maybe they could even have a sort of extension beyond the 31st of December to allow the sort of deal to get approved if there is clearly an agreement in place.
0: So it's usually a quiet time for journalists, a low point in the news cycle. David Bond, our Brexit editor, will be covering this story as it develops. Thank you, David. Thanks, Mark. We could see the first Americans receive a coronavirus vaccine today. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the Pfizer-BioNTech jab on Friday, and millions of doses were shipped out over the weekend. Here to talk about the rollout is the FT's Kieran Stacey, who's been following the story. Kieran, who's up first for the vaccine?
2: Well, according to official guidelines from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, it should be healthcare workers first, uh, alongside people who both live and work in long-term care homes. That group is about... 24 million people. So that would take up most of the doses that will be produced by the end of the year. But it seems like senior people at the top of government are also going to get prioritized. We found out last night that under obscure rules, to be honest, which I'd never heard of, to make sure that continuity of federal government, senior people in the White House, in Congress, and in the judiciary will be eligible for early doses of this Pfizer vaccine.
0: And looking farther down on the timeline, when do we expect most all Americans to get the vaccine?
2: Well, the current plan is to have something like 20 million people vaccinated by the end of the year, 100 million people vaccinated by spring 2021, and vaccines available for the entire country roughly by summer 2021. If everything goes well, it could be that the bulk of the US population has been vaccinated come next summer. There are two hurdles to that. One is logistics especially with a Pfizer vaccine, it's very difficult to get this vaccine out and to store it. It needs to be kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius. It can't be taken out and then refrozen. It has to be handled very, very carefully. And then it has to get to even the most remote parts of America, which in some places are very inaccessible. So that's one element of it. But the second part of this is that a lot of people say they don't want to take the vaccine. There are Polls suggest something like half of the people in the US who say they either definitely won't take the vaccine or are not sure at the moment. Now, that has got to change quite considerably if we're to achieve what scientists call herd immunity. We think we need something like 70% of the population vaccinated before we can really stop this disease in its tracks. So it may be that the biggest challenge for politicians, and particularly for the incoming Biden administration next year, is not getting the vaccine out to people, but actually persuading people to take it.
0: Kieran Stacey is the FT's Washington correspondent. Thank you, Kieran.
2: Thank you.
0: The Wirecard saga has been one of the biggest corporate stories of the year, and our reporters are still learning more. Just a quick refresher, earlier this year, Wirecard, a German payments company, filed for insolvency after it acknowledged that almost 2 billion euros of cash did not exist Since then, there's been a sprawling fallout for the management of the company, financial regulators, and EY, the accounting firm that audited Wirecard. The FT recently reviewed documents that show EY's anti-fraud team first warned of so-called red flag indicators at Wirecard as far back as March 2018. But just weeks after the unit issued the warning, the separate team in charge of Wirecard's annual audit decided against investigating the matter further. It went on to issue an unqualified audit. Prosecutors in Munich are already investigating three current and former EY partners. They're being accused of knowingly issuing a factually incorrect audit opinion in 2017 and 2018. In response to this story, EY said it cannot comment on Wirecard due to ongoing confidentiality obligations. And the European Central Bank is just about ready to allow Eurozone banks to reinstate dividend payments. The ECB paused them at the beginning of the pandemic to conserve capital. But at the Central Bank's supervisory board meeting on Tuesday, members are expected to talk about the conditions in which some lenders can restart dividend payouts. It comes just a week after the Bank of England lifted its ban on shareholder distributions. But one source told the Financial Times the ECB's restart will come with strict limits. One person briefed on the discussions said Eurozone banks would probably be limited to distributing between 10 and 20% of their profits. The ECB declined to comment. And just one more thing before we go. In Friday's show, we incorrectly referred to Netscape as Microsoft's browser when it was in fact a rival. Internet Explorer is Microsoft's browser. We apologize for the mistake. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because rust new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from rust Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation